Hey everyone, welcome to episode 136 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. Um, I guess we don't really have a special focus on the SCG tour at this moment, though. Yeah, not for a minute. Nope. Um, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, Collins is with me. Uh, hey Chris. Hey. <laughs> um, it's been kind of wild lately, huh? Yeah. Uh, a lot's happened since we last recorded. Yeah, a lot has has happened. We, I mean, coronavirus was certainly a thing that we were aware of mm-hmm. when we recorded, and it was definitely like a consideration. We were trying to think about whether or not to go to upcoming tournaments and stuff. I was planning on going to Baltimore, and then I was waffling on it a little bit mm-hmm. because I think if it were just me, I wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. But if you guys were all going to go anyways, not going wouldn't have yeah, really made any difference. So I would right. have had to convince everybody to not go. Yeah. Um, fortunately, Star City did the right thing mm-hmm. and canceled before it became like super clear that we just can't go to it. We can't have events like, yeah, we can't have gatherings of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of places are um, like restricting gatherings of like 100 plus people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> In these card game tournaments where you're touching these, each other's <laughs> cards all the time, it's just the perfect place yep. to transfer these things. So yeah, paper tournaments, at least while coronavirus is a concern, uh, pretty much a no-go. People get sick from going to the PT or whatever when we don't have a pandemic going on. So, right. you know, yeah. it's it's not a healthy environment <laughs> physically. Yeah, But yeah, so we had a couple get canceled and then really just like... Almost the entirety mm-hmm. of the open seasons. Am I correct in saying that up until like the Invitational and including the Invitational is canceled? Okay. Yeah, everything is canceled up until Louisville. So there's okay. two opens okay. in May and then SCG Con, and those are not canceled yet. Mm-hmm. But who knows? But what we did do is we got everything canceled up until the next team tournament. So my ah. falling to not having a buy on the leaderboard anymore is... <laughs> totally okay it's fine yeah (laughs) i mean i think it's like pretty reasonable and okay to joke about this whole thing and keep it kind of lighthearted because if you like we're just going to be living with it for several months yeah and if you just take it dead seriously the whole time you're gonna yeah no i I, I, for sure like it is a serious thing i i do recommend social distancing Mm -hmm. stay at home if you can yeah we're all stuck in this together. We're living in a house with a bunch of <laughs> yeah, we are the, a bunch of dudes. The most stuck in this that anybody really can be. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate in that my job is a pretty white collar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It is a state government position, and the state government is encouraging everybody to work from home, and I can work from home. And because my my industry is not, you know, it's a state government position, so I'm not impacted mm-hmm. by any sort of recession or anything like that, or people not yeah. able to be c- customers of my business or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So I'm pretty insulated from economic downturn stuff, and I can just stay home for the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, yeah. But I recognize how lucky I am to be in that situation. Yeah, for sure. Like, for me, like, our team is certainly affected in some ways mm-hmm. where, you know, we definitely leaned a lot on the these tournament series to give us direction on what the public is interested in so Mm -hmm. that we can be like, you know, on top of that and producing content that's relevant for people. Those kind of guidelines are now gone, 
However, we are still going to be producing content and stuff, still going to be uploading videos, you know, we're still going to be doing the podcast, and we are actually hosting our own tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, on. It's going to be through Magic Arena, hosted by Lotus Box on... MTGMelee.com. MTG, yeah, so it's going to be hosted on MTGMelee.com. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. That's going to be kind of what I'm going to be using to guide my testing because otherwise I, I personally would be a little lost on which formats to focus on i don't have like a super favorite format at the mm-hmm. moment um typically i'm just preparing for these tournaments mm-hmm. but now <laughs> you right know. right um and and so yeah you know this is certainly not going to fill the gap left by opens right. not happening for sure but we're doing our best to come up with something for people to watch. Sunday, March 22nd is the date of this tournament. Um, I will be doing commentary on it. Yeah, and super exciting. To enter, uh, you can either be a Lotus Box patron or an MTG Grindcast patron. Ooh, um, okay. We are so. trying to keep the tournament relatively small since mm-hmm. this is our first go-around. Yeah. Um, but there's $1,000 in store credit as prizes, yeah. and we're going to be doing coverage. So, you know, worst case... You know, you give you yourself the opportunity. Something. Right. You get to watch something, or yeah. if you plan it, you get the opportunity to be on Twitch and mm-hmm. have us talk about uh, your games. Uh, Lee is also going to commentate, and our friend Wit will be along for the ride, and we will, you know, hopefully make a show out of it. I'm so, excited. I think it's yeah. going to be great. I think I think so, too. But yeah, so, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of people in our community are definitely affected by this. Like, you know, the card shops are all taking a pretty big hit. Mm-hmm. Tournament organizers clearly taking a big hit having to cancel a bunch of their stuff. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big thing. any industry that relies on having people go to a place is in trouble right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like major stuff, you know, like Universal is releasing movies that are in theaters right now for on-demand streaming because right. they can't make money on them any other way. They've right. like delayed, releases, delayed the release of the next Fast and the Furious movie too when people can go see it. <laughs> Um, crazy but i know like a lot of restaurants aren't going to survive this Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. a lot of entertainment companies especially like theater companies and stuff are just not going to exist anymore yeah and that's i think the most crushing thing for me is that um like the local entities that do just rely on people showing up and being a consumer for them yeah are going to suffer the most and not really have the fallback that a lot of the bigger things are going to be able to um float with so you know. And I think game stores are really in that category too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. And and I don't know what to do. I know Atomic Empire is doing curbside pickup for right. their stuff, so you can I still buy cool. stuff. But a huge part of the model is having people in the store where they can even yeah, just buy sure. snacks and stuff. Yeah, so. snacks and beer and you know all the good stuff. So. Yeah. So I will probably be placing some orders through local game stores, even mm-hmm. though I don't really need cards because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but right, and that's the thing is like. Who knows how long this is going to last? Mm-hmm. And if it is, if like this becomes a year long thing, like who knows what's going to happen to like the paper markets? Yeah. So, I yeah no, I believe I've heard from some people that I trust, and this makes sense that paper cards the like values are going to kind of drop across the board because yeah. like we have just three months of no tournaments happening, mm-hmm. right? Then. And the you know the tournaments I think were a very crucial part of maintaining mm-hmm. all like you know star city runs these tournaments in order to have like give a reason for people to to have magic cards so. right right and even if you're not buying them to play in an open the opens 
create metagame churn and generate hype for cards and decks and mm-hmm. and increase sales by for everybody i believe yeah so not having them it's it's going to be a weird time for magic finance i guess yeah definitely <laughs> but you know it's a weird time for everything yeah it honestly I, is i we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime certainly and right it's it's going to be a rough ride kind of spooky it's really spooky so support your local businesses and yeah. all that stuff yeah I'll but probably, also be safe <laughs> right support them in some way that allows right. you to maintain social distance and i don't know i'll probably be like ordering my ordering some mystery booster boxes from some local stores and mm-hmm. since we already have five people here we don't really you know we can draft it without really further exposing ourselves so yeah there we go <laughs> like five, five locked it in and then you know maybe we'll adopt well, kenny and lee <laughs> yeah yeah lee and wit are gonna be here anyways so all right then, yeah that's that's eight yeah, that's eight great yeah and we'll all we get a crew nobody else is invited <laughs> we'll all get your coronavirus together <laughs> yes exactly yeah i i've been a little sick i don't know what it is yet but I, and that's that's the other thing about this whole thing is like i've been a little bit sick too mm-hmm. not in ways that, like it's not the symptoms of coronavirus like i don't have a fever like i'm not right it's not respiratory at all yeah i don't have any respiratory issues but every time I feel like not great, I'm just like, oh no, is this it? Is this... It's, it's over. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's just uh, this whole thing is like quite unpleasant. But it does give me an excuse not to commute to work every day. So. I mean, yeah. Silver great. lining, I guess. And it gives us incentive and and space to start doing this tournament thing. And so mm-hmm. I've wanted to do commentary for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, this is a nice way to start out doing that. Um, if you want to participate in the tournament or just watch please do any proceeds that we get from donations or subs during the tournament Um, and we're not charging an entry fee for the tournament it's just if you're a patron so there's kind of an entry fee but um but any any proceeds we get from donations or subs during the tournament on the stream uh we're going to uh, donate to coronavirus relief efforts and i'm gonna match that personally like up to 500 bucks i think i would be pretty fine with doing that amount so you know nice your money is doubled if you wanted <laughs> to support coronavirus stuff anyways so, yeah you know no that's awesome but yeah i mean it's kind of weird because we've always been joking about how like at some point in the distant future magic is all going to be online and we're going to be hosting yeah. all these tournaments from home yeah here we are <laughs> And, so. <laughs> yeah and and like in some ways you know it is like kind of convenient and cool and like if we are able to end up running a tournament series where we like regularly are just kind of like doing all the work from home or a warehouse office that we put together or something like that sure. like that would be very cool but there is something like fundamental about going to a tournament oh there's certainly something lost and that's why i've always been a proponent of tabletop games or uh Mm -hmm. card games just because i value so much just like the personal interactions yeah you know not only like from my friends who were there with me at the tournament is a big deal to me but also like being able to sit across the table from somebody new and introduce yeah. myself and all that stuff is really huge. Right. Just the that physical experience of playing and being able to look your opponent in the eye and mm-hmm. talk with them and stuff like that, even without the traveling and seeing friends and right. eating at restaurants and stuff, because a lot of that's kind of hit or miss. Right. But just being able to play against a human being rather than mm-hmm. something faceless on a computer is a 
to me a better experience. Yeah. Um, but we literally cannot do that right now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll do the best we can. Yep. So figure today, the most like interesting and dynamic thing that's going on is the fact that Modern just had Once Upon a Time banned out of it. Yeah. So we should talk about how that format has developed in the week or so since then. And standard, I figure we would talk about because the Lotus Box tournament this weekend is standard. Okay. And, you know, if you are a patron of our show, you're welcome to play in it. Nice. So, as far as modern goes, we have a few Magic Online tournaments and no paper tournaments. There might be like an IQ or something in there, but one of the side effects of the coronavirus is that these moto tournaments are much larger than they usually are yeah i know like vintage has been firing a lot lately and right i kind of new and exciting we watched lsv stream a vintage prelim which may be the <laughs> first time one of those has ever fired right which but, is great people get to kind of play whatever they want now which is the upside of they're not being the tournament structure but mm-hmm. right you're not always testing for something you can yeah play the format that seems fun to you so As far as modern goes, we have this prelim from yesterday, we have the PTQ from this weekend, and we have the challenge from this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are all post-ban, so there's no Once Upon a Times in any of these. Yeah, but it's fine. Ancient Stirrings was able to cover the slack in in a lot of these these Titan builds. Yeah, Uh, we definitely see less amulet titan than i would have expected here like Mm -hmm. we we see here that it you know won the modern challenge or i I never know what these are if this is like the record after the swiss it's it's the final swiss standings great Um, that's always what you want to see at the end of the tournament yeah you have to go to the actual website okay to see who won but that's not something i recommend navigating (laughs) not in the middle of recording a podcast no um, yeah. yeah, so like clearly, you know, there was an Amulet Titan deck that did really well, mm-hmm. 9-0 in the Swiss, and, uh, you know, a few other smatterings of decks. There's definitely not any, like, dominant performance by any one strategy by any means. I suspect that the lack of Titan was more due to the fact that less people were willing to try it, mm-hmm. because it did lose something, and it does take people, like a couple, like, a week or so to adapt to that. But I really don't think that Amulet lost a significant... Like, it's certainly worse, but it's not, like, a significant drop. Right. This is That is, like, a surprising thing to me. We certainly saw before ban, most of these tournament pages had several Amulets. Yeah. List. Like, you just see the right. word Amulet several times. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is not the case with any of these tournaments, the prelim, the challenge, or the PTQ. Uh, we do have it at 9-0 in that uh challenge but it's just not making up the numbers and i think you know i I, i'm inclined to agree with you that that is just an overcorrection of Mm -hmm. people choosing not to play the deck when maybe they still should be playing it in higher numbers um especially because what the format looks like other than the couple of amulet titan decks seems to be mostly a format that has collapsed around amulet titan not existing anymore huh it is the mid-rangiest modern format i've ever seen yeah it's, it seems to be almost entirely mid-range decks and then decks that go over the top of those decks yeah so we've got a bunch of uro decks a bunch of urza decks 
a bunch of like even Jund and we have Snowblade decks. Mm-hmm. And then you have a smattering of the Dredges and the Trons and to a lesser extent the Eldrazi Trons of the world right. that are just sort of like going over the top of those things. Yeah, and I I do think that like one of the biggest winners from this ban was these uh Eroza decks. The mm-hmm. Uro Urza strategies that had, you know, been around prior to that but you know i remember dylan talking about it like going into regionals where he said i've been loving this urza deck this this uro urza deck i you know it it plays really well it's really really strong Mm -hmm. i just don't quite feel like i'm there with my amulet titan matchup Mm -hmm. and but now the amulet titan seeming to be played less at least these Uro decks are like really here to shine because there's they don't there's just no clear predator for these decks anymore. So what is the better way to do this? Do we want to be artifact based and be playing Gilded Goose, Emery, Uro, or do we want to be more like Abe's deck, which is not based in artifacts and is just like all value cards that Ren and Six Uro Cryptic Command sort of engine backed up by Path to Exile? I am not completely confident yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is starting to look like the Urza strategies are where you want to be mm-hmm. because then you have more than just Uro to win the game. You can win the game with Urza as well, mm-hmm. and Urza is just an insane card. Like if you have just like a couple of artifacts around, being able to play an Urza and hold up. Uh, you know, it used to be so easy to play an Urza and hold up Cryptic Command, but now more often you're like playing an Urza holding up Archmage's, uh, an Archmage's Charm. Charm or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. But uh, but still, it is it is still a really powerful card, and I think that you do want access to that. But fundamentally, what really makes all of these decks work is Cryptic Command and Mystic Sanctuary mm-hmm. and a way to draw an extra card. That's the combo, is like drawing an extra card in a turn cycle repetitively you can do that with you know the easiest way to do that is with getting an uro into play because you just attack every turn sure um and then you just cryptic lock your opponents and and that is pretty much lights out for most strategies yep so you can also just do it with a planeswalker so in each of these tournaments like just outside the very top of the range like we keep seeing like several bant snowblade decks together Mm -hmm. Um, that's been very, very popular lately, and these have massively benefited from the existence of Uro. Yeah. They're, I guess they are kind of like... the And these decks, I think they're getting labeled as Snowblade. Yeah, they don't... This doesn't even have Snow, Stoneforge Mystic in it. There's no Stoneforge Mystic in at least this deck list. Yeah. So I think... All right. I think yeah, that so... this is what mm, Goldfish is actually just calling a, a version of Ape's deck. And honestly, it's... This is almost just blue-white control splashing Ice Fang Quaddle and Uro in yeah. it. Yeah, it's got Big Teferi, it's got Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah. And those are kind of the ways that they've chosen to draw an extra card, mm-hmm. or three a turn. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, like, this is the kind of deck that does great in a mid-range battle. Yeah. Like, you have so many Planeswalkers, mm-hmm. and you have relatively cheap counter magic. The... Triple Force of Negation is... It does a lot. Yeah. I mean, being able to slime a Jace, my sculptor, with Force of Negation back up, 
in some matchups is really, really difficult. Yep. So. Yep. And we're seeing these lists are playing like three Jace the Mind Sculptors in them. Yep. Uh, which you certainly were never able to do before Force of Negation. It's yep. just not safe. Right. Yeah. Because typically in Modern, it's just so hard to have an empty board. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why Jace was never quite as successful as people expected it to be in Modern, is that Jace on an empty board is is it that's lights out yep it's over yep, but yep. typically there's just like stuff around and you tack down your jace and you know move on mm-hmm. um you get a little value it's fine but being able like and this deck is really really good at like being able to slam a jace with an empty board so yeah yeah and and just the format looks like that more often now and i mean honestly like one of the things that this deck is capable of doing is a kind of standard play pattern where you have a teferi time reveler in play Mm-hmm. they're not quite able to take it down you plus it you end of turn supreme verdict and then you can land whatever you want yeah um, and that's if you're as long as your opponent is a creature based deck that's gonna work pretty well a lot of the time <laughs> yeah if the thing you're landing especially is a teferi hero of dominaria or something then you're just never even shields down also just this this package that is for ice fang quaddles and for path to exiles um you really don't want to be playing Death Shadow right now. Nope. Yeah, it was good while it lasted. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is not having success in any of these tournaments, and it's very obvious why. As you scroll into the most played cards of each of these tournaments and see Path to Exile, Veil of Summer, Ice Fang Coatl, all in the top ten. Yeah, Arkham's Astrolabe mm-hmm. number two. <laughs> Card is silly. It's it's pretty good, and that's. I don't know. It's possible that now that Once Upon a Time is banned, that Astrolabe is just the best card in Modern. Yeah. It's enabling a lot of stuff. It's enabling this blue-white control deck that's running Supreme Verdict to play Uro. To, to just splash Uro in it. No big deal. No, not a big deal at all. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> and I definitely did... I underestimated how powerful Uro would be mm-hmm. in Modern. I think part of that is... That we got some bands in between, yeah. Like my evaluation of Uro and now, because Modern's power level has gone significantly down mm-hmm. since I think we were talking about it last. So yeah, and and also just like I have holdovers of like pre- previous iterations of Modern have all contributed to like my understanding of the speed of the format and what mm-hmm. it's about. Yeah, um, and but, you know, like a couple of months ago, we were going. Modern is lightning fast. You have to be doing broken things. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, all sorts of crazy cards in it. In, like, KCI, Arclight Phoenix, or Arclight Phoenix Dredge Modern, like, Uro yeah. just would not be no. a card. It'd be silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we're just kind of playing a different game now. We're... Yeah, now people are having success with Jund again. Yeah. That's always a good sign. It, Jund is, honestly, if you want to play Jund, I will not try to stop you right yeah. now. Yeah. Willie Adel has been championing his Jund deck list. Mm-hmm. He's been having a lot of success with it. I've seen other people pick it up and be pretty excited about that. It, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, uh, there's always a couple. And honestly, it's playing like pretty good cards now. Yeah. The the Croxes yeah, are really important. Yeah, Ren and Six has, is, has just been a huge upgrade. If the format is more grindy, being able to land your two-mana card advantage engine to start beating up on somebody who's trying to grind in you know, various ways is a really powerful thing that a lot of decks don't really have access to. Yeah. And Jund also is capable sometimes of killing them before that stuff really gets online. You play Tarmogoyf. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Now you play Kuroksa. 
I mean, yeah, that could be a clock. I mean, that's that's definitely an engine, and the fact that you have access to Liliana, so you hopefully never have to cast the front side of it as long as things are going right, mm-hmm. is pretty good. Flipping it with Bloodbraid Elf is not the most exciting moment, but. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, that'll happen yeah. sometimes. All these lists I've seen are still playing for Bloodbraid Elves, so... Yeah, I think you still have to. Yeah. Like, it's too good when you Bloodbraid into Liliana, so... Mm-hmm. You're one of your only three mana spells now. But, you know, all your spells are pretty powerful, so... Yeah. It's fine, typically. Yeah. It is fine. I don't know. I still probably... I'm not super trying to play a Thoughtseize mid-rangey deck... I mean, Mystic Sanctuary exists. Right. It's just so hard to justify grinding people out when you can just, like, draw a fetch land and you're like, ooh, this is draw two cards or cryptic command. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, you know, they're playing the better Titan. Like, Uro is just better than Kroxa. Yeah. Uro just beats Kroxa on the heads up. Yeah. It's just how it goes. Yep. Yep. Uh, And you just will cast more Uros over the course of a game or a match or a tournament. And the difference between fueling up your graveyard mm-hmm. versus your opponent fueling up their graveyard when you're drawing cards and they're making you discard cards right yeah <laughs> so like, yeah just... cards are going high velocity into my graveyard and that's just not happening for you so i'm going to be casting this arrow much more frequently than you can cast your croxa yeah i'm going to toss these like oh this basic island that could never go to my graveyard anyways sure but i don't need it this game right now it's in my graveyard that's fuel yeah. Yep. We definitely are seeing a little bit of a. We're we're a little wild westy in modern right now. Yeah. I mean that that mid range well, flavor to the format is defining it, but right. there's like a lot of different stuff here. Yeah. Like here's a bring a lightscape shift deck. Well, you know, I played in the modern PTQ last weekend. Yes. How did that go? I and I played Tron. <laughs> I, so <laughs> because you know what I sniffed it out. I yeah. was like. What is everybody doing right now in Modern? They're playing mid-range stuff. How And how was Tron? Uh, honestly, I think it was uh, a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my tournament didn't go very well. Me and Evan both played Tron together. Mm-hmm. Our, both of our events ended by around, around 5. It felt like I was mulliganing. Like, I know that you just mulligan a 3 all the time with Tron, and that's just what it is. But I don't know. It just felt like I could just never have a hand with two Tron pieces in it. Mm-hmm. But that's Tron. Yeah. So you I live by, I'm not going to complain it. about it. Uh, and it's fine. But I, I do think it was a fine call. And, you know, I have noticed a couple of Tron deck lists um, up here. So I'm going to be curious to, like, peek in. I opted to go with no Karn Great Creators. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think it's very good right now. Interesting. It just, the packages you get are, like, underwhelming. The best big thing that you can get is a Sundering Titan. Yeah. So we just had a Sundering Titan in our sideboard. Because it is good against these Urza decks. Mm-hmm. And against uh, the Titan. It's good against Dryad. Card. Yeah, yeah, the new Dryad. Yeah. But I figured it would be fine to, like, have as, like, a Sanctum target and, like, not needing, like, four copies of it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not that great. I was pretty happy with our list. Um, just... Yeah, just didn't get there. Just didn't quite get there. Yeah. Weird how much Eldrazi Tron seems to be around in these in these results. Oh, uh, what an evergreen statement. And I just <laughs> you know It's yeah, there's more Eldrazi Tron. You always expect it's like the it's like that thing that you're is like always around, but yeah. you're never expecting it. It's like, oh hey, it's Eldrazi Tron. I thought you died from all of the bannings. Yeah, but 
no once upon a time and we're still here we've still got four in the four ones of this prelim no once upon a time no problem no problem (laughs) in this in the ptq okay only one in the results that we can see from the ptq so that's that's all right but we can only see 16 results from the ptq yeah and and one of them like one of the eight o's was a uh, was an e-tron so yep who knows really what's going on with e-tron Ooh, click on that Tron, Tron deck. I just want to take a peek. I believe it's just... Yeah, oh, it's got great it's got Conqueror okay. Creator in it. Sure. Just pretty normal stuff. Yep. Well, oh, okay. Well, we're back to four Wormcoil Engine, two Walking Blister. We had three and two mm-hmm. because it is very necessary against any of the aggro decks. Mm-hmm. You're just not winning unless you cast a turn three Wormcoil Engine. So. And none of the... Well, very few of the aggro decks are humans which often does not care about worm coil engine. right yeah that's the one where you would prefer to have a walking ballista or an, mostly just an o-stone or nugan yeah but when the aggro decks are i mean mostly prowess honestly um then that's mm-hmm. that's definitely and burn is want. back and burn is back okay yeah I, I played against well so okay it's not quite burn it's kind of like this new hybrid mm-hmm. between burn and prowess which i honestly think is just kind of the best of both worlds okay you lose out on your grindy element so you're not really along that angle which makes sense because it's it's tough to grind out in a row the yeah. new the new burn decks are more mono red so you're not running uh boros charm mm-hmm. but in that slot essentially you've just put soul scar mage okay. so you still are very heavy on the burn are you still an idol on yeah 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 okay you just have a bunch of creatures mm. now. You just like have a little extra staying power, and creatures have just always been the best thing in burn. And I think people just figured out it's like, oh, this creature is just fine in burn, mm. so might as well just play Soulscar Mage in this burn deck. And if I know we talked about Jund, but Jund is not as big of a presence in the format. The mid range deck in the format is mostly path to exile based mm-hmm. and you're like pretty fine with having extra one drop running one drops into lightning bolt feels bad running one drops into path to exile feels Great. pretty good yeah especially when your deck is chock full of horizon lands mm-hmm. and and i think their deck is so yeah 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 makes sense um but yeah you're right like the the bedlam reveler uro matchup like that does not favor a bedlam reveler. Like no. Uro's gonna win yeah. that heads up. So they've yeah. So you can look at it a couple ways. You can look at it as like burn with a couple more creatures, or you can look at it as like prowess with a couple more burn spells. But mm-hmm. it's I think just like fundamentally the same thing. Gotcha. Uh, I can't remember if they're running things like metamorphose. I think that it might have metamorphose in it and lava dart. Okay. Uh, because it does have the extra additional prowess right. creatures, right? But still. Probably still yeah. up in the air a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So every once in a while, you see this black red on Earth deck. Look, some people just love ball lightning. Some some people love it so much that they try to cast it twice. Yeah, or you know, get it again for one mana. Right? I mean, what's better than a ball lightning? Two ball lightning. That's mind rot them a couple of times. Yeah, no cards. Take six. Yep. Um, I do not love that you have to run ransack the lab, which is just black strategic planning do you have to Uh, they all do they all do they all do i've never seen one of these lists without ransack what is it just look at three two in the bin one on one in the hand yep yep all right all right yeah i mean you gotta do what you gotta do yeah i guess (laughs) 
Um, when you're playing against this deck, feel your and you're like doing your thing, but you're also just able to leave up a mana for a lightning bolt. Yeah, you really feel like they can't do anything to you at all. Right. But they do have Croxes. They have Bobs. This really just looks like an assemblage of cards more than anything else. Sure. Kill people. Kill people. Sometimes. Sometimes you bob and keep going for a while. You know what? Throw an Angrath's Rampage in there. Yeah. <laughs> Screw it. You gotta kill the Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, get a Dreadbore. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Some, I don't... Some Dark Confidants. I don't believe that Black-Red is a color combination that is poised for greatness in modern sure but no i feel that you're just kind of missing you're just walking this line between like speed and just being able to like get your opponent off balance and then just keep them down and having a powerful grindy engine of some sort and you just like don't quite get there on either one because you're spending resources on each thing yeah and i mean this isn't like, this clearly isn't built to be an aggro deck. Like, there's no one drops in it. It deals its damage in big chunks with Lightning Skeletal or with Kroxer or whatever. But you're clearly trying to get your opponent on the back foot and then, like, make them not able to do their thing. And the, like, discard spells into damage that just, like, leaves you really vulnerable to them just being like, okay, here's an Uro mm. is not, not really where I want to be. Yeah, this deck definitely looks like it struggles against Uro. Like, of all the cards that you don't want to (laughs) see... Yeah. It's like, alright, cast Kroxa, you have to discard a card. And they're like, okay, you put an Uro in there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Alright, now I'll thought scour myself or whatever they're doing, and then it's just done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if uh, if Modern is a hodgepodge of mid-range decks, this qualifies as a mid-range deck. Yeah, and I mean, Unearthing Season Pyromancer is pretty sweet. I can't can't be too mad about that. That's very cool. Draw some cards. Yeah, draw some cards. Um, There's a lot of different flavors of Urza decks that you can find if you just, like, scroll through the lists and stuff. Pretty much every color combination is represented in some way. Okay. Um, We've even got one or two... I've seen of the like four Goblin Engineer, just very combo focused. Okay. Urza list. Here's this is what this is blue white Urza control. So yeah, I guess artifacts have survived the banning of Mox Opal. Um, amazing capacity. that they managed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> How could they have done it? Perhaps it has something to do with the printing of Emery and Urza. Uh, yeah, I mean those cards are something else. Yep. This list here is a fourth Opter Foundry blue-white, like straight blue-white And even more list. surprisingly... Oh, wait, no, I was wrong. I misread that. <laughs> I was going to say Four Sword of the Meek, but... It's just oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do no, that. No, and uh, that's why I was surprised. But no, I was just reading Thought for Foundry. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Certainly a thing you can do. The combo is certainly a way of being like, all right, I'm done playing this mid-range game. Like, I don't care how much you Uro. Here you yep. go. You're right. dead. You know, and that that is like the scariest part of the Urza deck, mm-hmm. and why I do like like some combination of these entities of just like having Urza combo in your deck mm-hmm. adds a huge threat yeah. to the way that you can play because you know it's really pretty trivial to assemble in a really long game. Mm-hmm. So just like having that like win button is really nice. Yeah, 
pretty difficult to fit that in if you are running and enabling Uro. Yeah. Um, like, you know, true. like, here's Dylan's list. You just can't really put combo into the deck. Yeah. Um, so I think you pretty much just have to choose one or the other. And I don't think either one is bad, certainly. Like, this deck without combo and with Uro is is a good deck, but definitely would feel just a little safer having access to combo, so I just don't have to, like, play the Uro lottery if we both have them. Right. But um, we'd probably need to spend some more time with the decks to feel feel that out a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, I think the big takeaway is that we are still in the process of, like, finding out which iteration of all of these decks is the mm-hmm. quote-unquote best one. I mean, um, I mean Modern's a little baby format again, right? Yeah. Like, losing Once Upon a Time really take does a number on the format. And it'll be really interesting to see how not having these, like, marquee huge tournaments every weekend mm-hmm. has an impact on, like the homogenous homogenous nature of deck lists lately because like looking back on the past Mm. year like there have been periods of like all of these builds exist at the same time but then somebody like spikes and does well at a big tournament and then that's the list yeah and you can just count on people running that list and if that's not going to be there for a little bit right and we saw this we see this with standard too Mm -hmm. like the standard decks and part of this is probably psychological in that without major tournaments, like, I don't get, like, a list of 75, like, in my brain. Like, oh, there's the list. Like, that's, yeah. the, ter- that's the list that won this tournament. Right. But, you know, like, it certainly feels like the standard decks just sort of slowly develop over time and the metagame just sort of, like, lumbers along and shifts. Like, it's some, like, big old octopus just kind of, like, moving along. And then... Dreamhack happens. Right. And we finally have a big standard tournament, or not even a big standard tournament, but a standard tournament that people pay attention to. Yeah. It gets won by Teamer Adventures, and then Standard Ladder is only Teamer Adventures. Right. So, yeah, the the existence of tournaments, or the lack of existence of tournaments, like, we can see specific examples to, like, how magic is different when they do or don't exist. And we're about to get that for every format. And that's honestly kind of exciting. Yeah. In some ways where, you know, we got to change how we understand these formats, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. And, and playing is going to be a lot different as well because you're just like, you know, there's many times lately where I've been sitting down and my opponent plays their first land drop and I know they're 74 Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. And now like my opponent plays an Emery and I'm like, okay, so they could be this or this Mm -hmm. or this. And you know i gotta figure out like my like my plan is probably going to be different against some of these iterations and how do i adapt for that and stuff like that yeah and and that's what's that's what ladder has been like for most of arena's existence and it's a little different because you didn't pay an entry fee to play your match on ladder like people try stuff or people you know are just goofing off or whatever so it has different incentives but certainly on ladder like I've had opponents play their first two lands and I'm like, okay, you're on this, right? And then they just play a card that I didn't expect at all. Mm-hmm. And then it just turns out that, you know, and this is an experience that rarely happens at an open or, I mean, sometimes it happens in leagues now because leagues are, <laughs> leagues are pretty washed, but in, in tournaments that doesn't happen so often and ladder enables that sort of thing to happen. Sure. Part of it is because we're not just 
pulling lists from the top 16 of the last tournament and then either playing them or adapting to them. We're right. playing this different nebulous shifting game. Yeah. So a whole new world out there. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I don't have like specific actionable, like here's how you deal with this in order to be a good standard player going forward. Or here's how you do, here's how you be a good modern player where there are no modern tournaments happening. I don't really know what the adjustment is, but I guess we will learn that as we go along here and, and hopefully be able to tell people what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I've been playing a little bit of standard. Okay. Just like actually got off my butt and played some arena. Had yeah. like opened it up, had to do a big update and I was bronze. Oh so. yeah. No, same. <laughs> you know, you sat there for my first match yeah. of me struggling. <laughs> We no, timed were... out. <laughs> we timed out this match. By the way, it was a three-game match in a long, grindy matchup. Yeah. So yeah, I was uh -oh. playing VTCLA's Blue Green Adventures deck, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Played against Blue White Control. Uh. Yep. That kind of got kind of got cooked the first match just because I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, and and I definitely saw first... your your mouse moving over like to the left side to like check stuff that's like not there on arena but is there yeah, on moto right and that's the other problem like so i'm playing an arena tournament this yeah. weekend so i need to get my arena mechanics down this week yep um so i got a lot more i got a lot more to play yep i'm sure definitely but yeah um what has your experience in standard been so far all right so i think standard is big enough and has enough different powerful stuff going on that we have kind of developed a, a little bit of a metagame cycle or wheel or whatever you want to call it now. Okay. We had a period after Worlds where blue-white was pretty clearly just beaten up on most stuff. Yeah. Um, was playing all the best cards and was very powerful. Um, Dreamhack comes around and we get shown, like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> like, here is Teamer Adventures. Like, right. you didn't believe me. But it's good, and right. it beats blue-white really badly. Adventures does have its share of vulnerabilities. Uh, the ramp decks can go over the top of it, uh, especially like Nyssa has always been good against the adventure decks. Reclamation can also just go over the top of it. And so those, those decks started getting played more in response to everybody on ladder playing adventures. And now we are seeing a ton of of aristocrats and mono red mm -hmm. on the ladder mono red i mean great laddering deck just because as long as you draw embercleave like you have quick games that go one way or the other and yeah. a lot of times the adventures decks can't keep up with like steamkin and embercleave yeah, yeah um the matchup is relatively close but those cards are very powerful um and aristocrats in particular just is not fun to play against as any adventure deck. Like, Mayhem Devil is just a completely unbeatable card. Because you just can't get it off the board? Yeah, and it just, like, is constantly throwing around, pinging your stuff to death, and then, you know, they kill all your tokens, so then Yeah, your they... innkeepers are not going to stay in play. No, <laughs> innkeeper is just actively bad, and you kind of want to side it out. Like, I, I don't really know how to approach that matchup. But, you know, once the format is heavily Rakdos... Rakdos Sacrifice and uh, Mono Red, like that's a super exploitable metagame too. Mm -hmm. Like just play Blue White again. Yeah. Or even Fires can beat those decks pretty badly and yeah. is only a little bit behind against Blue White. Right. So 
And then we're back where we started, right? Because mm-hmm. then you just play adventures to beat those decks. So, <laughs> well, great. you know, you got to pick and choose and you got to figure out exactly where on the wheel you are. Um, I think most of the really good decks have kind of had their time in the sun and we're probably not going to figure out anything that really like breaks this meta wide open. This seems to me to be a format of picking your spot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's like the four main players and you just got to figure out which one you feel. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the one that you're most comfortable with or maybe you feel like one is going to be the most popular. So you want to go one one tick up the yep. wheel or yep. something. That to me is indicative of a healthy format. It that's seems... like that's what I want to see. Yeah, where nothing's too oppressive. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has bad matchups. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, VTCLA made some. I don't know necessarily that they are advances to the teamer okay. deck, but they're certainly um, it's, modifications. It's a shift. Yeah, it's a shift. So he posted a pure Simic adventures deck that you know he had had a a really really good record with was like 23 and 2 across five leagues or something like that yeah and basically we take out the red so we don't have bone crusher giant anymore and we put in merfolk secret keeper and uro Mm -hmm. because uro is busted so let's make it work yeah smell myself a bunch play uro yeah what could go wrong honestly a lot of times nothing goes wrong and you just it's great excellent the cool thing about it is you sort of have like a wider swath of opening hands that you can keep. Mm-hmm. So with the adventures deck, traditionally, you're only really doing something powerful if you have an innkeeper or a lucky clover. Yeah. Um, you can still win games in other ways, but your cards are just a little less powerful than your opponents. Right. Yeah. This way, you can also just keep a secret keeper. It, like as if there's a secret keeper in your opener, then that gets you really close to Uro, and then once you start Uroing, you're gonna do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the deck ends up playing out a lot like a ramp deck because you always have places to put your mana, and you often end up at like twelve to fifteen lands in play between Beanstalk Giant and Clover, and just Uro triggering over and over and over again. And then a lot of games end with you just like casting Granted for two two or three spells, and then like casting all of them and it's pretty unbeatable yeah yeah i was definitely having fun with that element of things yeah with his deck i love just pulling three cards out of my sideboard so <laughs> i played against mono red and i cast granted and i just grabbed the three ether gusts out of the sideboard with six mana up and my opponent just scooped you love to see it yep it was yeah. very powerful yeah um losing the bone crusher giants is a cost mm-hmm. a pretty huge cost honestly that shows particularly in the worst matchups that you have okay in the mirror i think it's kind of a wash like yeah you can't kill their innkeepers but they don't have a ton of ways of killing your innkeepers and you also just have an additional powerful engine that keeps up with them right so you can often outgrind them even if they get the advantage of you in the early game against stuff like racto sacrifice though the fact that you just can't get priest of the forgotten gods off the table Mm. then if they have that on turn two then they just keep up with you on mana until you're dead and yeah. you, you never get ahead not great um same thing with steamkin like you can't get the steamkin off the table and then they just cast their entire hand and you die um any hand that they have that has like steamkin and embercleave unless you have probably are on the play and have clover and brazen borrower like you're just mm-hmm. not you're just gonna die and you can't do anything about it yes 
So uh, you really feel the loss of Bonecrusher Giant. And if people are playing those aggressive decks and you still want to play Adventures, you, you need it. So if you're grinding against anybody, though, this is this is what you want to be doing. Yeah, I right. That's what I imagine. Yeah, I love just grinding up to the point where I can just be like, all right, I guess I'm going to cast this... Um, What's the X spell? Plus Mass seven? manipulation? Oh, no, no. The, uh, oh, finale of the, devastation. Yeah, finale of devastation. Yeah, yeah. We're just like, okay. <laughs> I'll just do it for so much. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Get, get, kill you with these merfolk secret keepers. It's yes, fine. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we could have lived, but we forgot about some stuff. Yeah. It's all right. We, we thought we couldn't deal exactly 10 with the, or whatever it was, but, you know, we had an like, extra pump off of a, well, we had a great hand play, hinge. so that's yeah. one. Yeah. And we also had our Shadow Spear in play. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's another true. one. Yeah. But it's fine. Um, Sigh. Yeah. yeah, so the deck is super sweet. The deck is really, really fun, and I would recommend anybody try it, uh, especially, you know, if you're just trying to kill some time on Moto. One thing that I did notice about it, though, is, man, like, if they're on the play and they play Anissa ahead of schedule... Like, you are in absolute panic mode. Yeah. And it's hard. It's really hard to win that game after that. Yeah. Um, Nissa just... continues to do Nissa things in this format. Yep. It's just, oh, you cast an early Nissa? Yeah. And great. Your best bet is to just sort of go all in on wishing for a mass manipulation and, and stealing the Nissa. Like, uh-huh. that has seemed to me to be kind of the only way to, the most reliable way to get out of that situation, even though it's, like, not very reliable but bouncing the nissa once is rarely going to do it the three threes are going to get in the way and just be a problem and then eventually they just their one card gives them more mana than all of your (laughs) ramping that you do so (laughs) yeah right yeah mana flares yeah they're nice probably not super interested in playing any standard deck that's not doing blue green stuff generally not necessarily based on power level stuff but because they just like feel the best to me. Yeah. Um, there is a Sultai deck now that is pretty decent and basically just combines Uro and Casualties of War into one deck. Yeah. And they run a bunch of Casualties, which are fine against the Adventure stuff because like killing the Clover and a land and a creature is good. Yeah. No, I do think that Casualties really excels right now. Mm-hmm. And if you ever play against Fires, Casualties is it's nice. Exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah. As far as individual, like, cards and stuff go, the Aristocrats deck, uh, the so it's it's pretty much just black-red now. The Jun food seems to be not really a thing, okay. and you see black-red a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I think that's for a couple of reasons. One of them is you can put Kroxa in there to fill your, like, value requirement if you want to be playing, like, a value game at all like that. Sure. Um, so Kroxa and... Uh, Midnight Reaper okay, kind of provides enough of that that you don't need to make your mana worse and put in Trail of Crumbs right now. Although the lists vary a lot and they might have anywhere from zero to four Kroxa in okay. them. So yeah. who knows? Um, but another part of it as well is that Claim the Firstborn is so good right now yeah. that you want to be playing the Claim the Firstborn deck if you're doing that. Uh, stealing Uro, attacking with it, getting the trigger, it. and then sacking it is nice. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. 
Or even, you know, not that there are as many of these, but like stealing a Kroxa, mm-hmm. stealing... Just like all of all of the threats in this format feel like they are like cheap yeah. in some way. So. Well, right, and in a way that like and your opponent paid more for it. So stealing an Uro or a Kroxa or a Hydrid Crisis, mm-hmm. like you're... It's basically like, how does this card do this for one mana? Like, right, yeah. It, it isn't supposed to, right. but then it does. And Steal your 12-12 Hydrate Crisis and whack you with it. It's <laughs> rare to lose after claiming a Hydrate Crisis. That, well, that's what you want to see. Typically, Hydrate Crisis is like game over for these decks. But yeah. if you can if you can hit them with it, it's going to undo a lot of their... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And especially since it's on your side, you probably can get rid of it now. And Right. Yeah. And the format is definitely lacking in very cheap removal. Uh, not, I think the red decks are mostly back to shock and should be mm-hmm. because it's so good against adventures. It's so good against black red. It's so good against the mirror. Yeah. But there's not a ton of the cheap removal to really punish you. And that has definitely made priest of the forgotten gods and runaway steamkin into just extremely potent threats. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can see that being another reason why aristocrats has taken over the gen slot is mm-hmm. if the priest is sticking around mm-hmm more like that was one of the better things that you could be doing in that deck yeah so yeah and it's just textless against blue white so if you're not going to be playing against blue white then it it becomes a much much better card right i mean that's pretty much what i got for standard yeah it seems like a pretty good summary i've played a lot less standard Mm -hmm. i'll be honest played a little bit of pioneer last week but um i don't know how much we want to go into well we can talk about a little we still got some time Um, well yeah uh, just kind of like a recap to yeah. what we discussed going in, because we were prepping for Baltimore. Yeah, in, in our last episode, and now it just you know we should we would be we talking about Baltimore that. right now, yeah. but yeah. right. Um, and you know I think that we were pretty much correct mostly where the two top decks were Inverter and and Mono White Heliod. Yep. However, the one kind of dark horse that we ended up getting more and more high on as the week progressed, was Spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue-White Spirits ended up looking like it had a really good matchup against both of the top decks, mm-hmm. which is exactly where we wanted to be. So I ended up playing Spirits for the 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 PTQ. Mm-hmm. I was really happy with that, made a deep run. And Zan, with the same 75, ended up playing until the finals. Mm-hmm. He ended up losing the finals. That was a bummer. It was. But the deck that he lost to in the finals... Tough to beat for spirits. Turns out it was the actual deck we should have been playing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was just black green Stompy mm-hmm. playing the seven six dinosaur. Yeah, and the card that I was surprised to see when they cast it against San, the beetle Nessian Horn Beetle. So Nessian is... Horn Beetle. So this was an all star from its limited format, mm-hmm. but nobody had ever really tried it in any constructed deck. Just because playing big four mana creatures is not really a constructed archetype. Except but when for... 12 of them cost three mana <laughs> and are just the perfect follow-up to the beetle. Yeah, exactly. So, so and this is a collected company deck and a great hinge deck. It just kind of was able to do the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. which was very powerful. And uh, the person who won this tournament easily exoed the Swiss, crushed everyone in top eight. Yeah, no, so. Horn Beetle is just a great development for this deck and pioneer continues to be the format with no good two drops in it yeah so you having a two drop that just becomes a singular threat all on its own you know we're, we're also playing three scavenging ooze which like honestly like a testament to how good this 
Beetle is in this deck, that yeah. you're playing more of it than Scavenging Ooze. Yeah. Which was previously, like, kind of the only playable two-drop <laughs> in the format. And we got some Scrap Hoop Scroungers, you yeah. Know? But yeah, I was really impressed watching this deck play out. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be doing very, very powerful things very consistently, so. Yep, and last game, unfortunately, Zan's opponent was on the play, just landed that turn three Great Henge, and the game was basically over at that point. Yep. Deck is powerful, but it is a meta game choice. Yeah. If the format goes back, and I don't think it's a long distance for the format to travel to get people, to convince people to play blue-white control again, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, no. that's not what you want to be doing. Yeah. Exactly. So, but clearly the right deck for the tournament. Just did not lose a match all day long. And yeah. sometimes you don't lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I do think that Spirits is a really good call given what we knew mm -hmm. going in. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to think, you know, normally I'd look at my calendar and be like, ooh, when's the next Pioneer event? But it's just not. It's, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know like what format to focus on When's and when the next so. event. I think well for now it's standard because we got our because we got our standard tournament coming up. But um, yeah, yeah. Lee is asking: Is Uro one of those cards that I purchased and no one else did, and I'm going to have the whole house asking me to borrow four? No, because there are no tournaments to borrow Uros for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in a shocking turn of events, mm -hmm. um, we don't need any cards. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> not, not for a bit so yeah i will i'll probably pick up Uros at some point yeah especially if we like enter this long if coronavirus spring includes depressing the prices of magic cards as part right. of its effect then yeah buy in yeah and i mean like you know you're being helpful because you are putting some money into the pockets of the buy, stores who buy, are buy. not able right. to sell anything so it's it's not me totally just taking advantage <laughs> of the situation right yeah yeah man what a wild time god everything is so bizarre stay at home folks stay home yeah as much as you can please stay home you it's know. really it's there's so much noise right now there about is it all. there is um yeah i definitely recommend um like the biggest takeaways that i've like heard of everything is that you just like should definitely be at least for the next couple of weeks practicing social distancing don't interact with people definitely don't interact with anybody susceptible to mm -hmm. the virus so that would be you yeah know. i'm not i'm not spending any time with my parents right like i'm just gonna skype with them yeah and just so. don't want to be a carrier facetime is your friend mm -hmm. <laughs> you can still be there yeah <laughs> yeah uh so I mean, definitely one of the interesting things is hopefully this speeds up the process of like teleworking being a thing mm -hmm. as well as helps people understand both the feasibility and the necessity of a more robust social safety net that yeah. clearly is necessary in times of crisis like this. Right. But also it's easy to have missed that a lot of the people who definitely need help now, like also needed help before this happened. And, mm -hmm. you know, we probably should have systems in place that are helping them out more than our current systems are helping them out. So yeah. we've just got a lot of vulnerable people and hopefully this is an impetus to give them more help. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. 
Um, good luck, everyone. Stay safe. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, do we want to do one of these Patreon questions? Actually, I kind of like this question in the context of, like, hmm, what format do we focus on? Oh, okay. Shane is asking about the one format that we really don't consider at all in the, as a possibility <laughs> for that. Um, he's asking, what are your thoughts on Historic on Arena, if you have any at all? What do you believe to be Watsi's long-term plan for the format? Um, and I've spoken about this a little bit in the past, but yeah, even now, when we can play whatever we want, and they just released, like, here are new cards for the format and stuff, just like... I don't watch streams where people are playing Historic. I don't have any desire to play Historic at all. It just doesn't feel like a real thing to me in any way whatsoever. Um, yeah, and I wonder if that'll change based on the climate that we're in. Where, like, if it's true that all the formats are kind of the same because none of them have tournament mm -hmm. support, then all of a sudden Historic just becomes the same as every other format. And if you enjoy playing Historic for whatever reason, then maybe that's just what you decide to spend your time on. Maybe you love Arena and hate Magic Online because there are certainly reasons for that to be true, mm -hmm. but you don't like Standard for whatever reason and you want to play something else. Um, you know, I can see that leading you into wanting to explore well, Historic as a format. And honestly, if we if this tournament this weekend goes well... Mm -hmm. and we decide like okay let's do one of these every week or whatever yeah um i would certainly certainly going to be a historic tournament or two in there yeah for sure because we want to do it on arena to improve viewability mm -hmm. and we can't just run a standard tournament every week so yeah this is the other option yeah and i could see that being the case mm -hmm. and if that's true then yeah all of a sudden historic is something i, I would be invested in yep so all of a sudden We'll have to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, better better study up because currently what I know about Historic is maybe Kethis is really good? <laughs> Question mark? That's it. That's all I got. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like we have this standard tournament coming up. I'm going to be doing commentary on it. So I mm -hmm. sat down and I played a bunch of standard. Yeah. Uh, I'll do the same thing for whatever format we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So... And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Cool. I think that's all we got for this week. So all right. whether or not you are sick, whether or not you feel vulnerable, you know, it's it's all of our responsibilities to reduce, you know, flatten the curve, stay inside, stay at home as much as you can. And, and lives will be saved the more that we stay home. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but thanks everybody so much for listening. Really appreciate it. If you would like to lend us some support, you can head over to uh, mtggrindcast.com or patreon.com slash mtggrindcast where you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon. We will send you some stuff. And if you subscribe now, you will get free entry into the Lotus Box Patreon tournament this weekend if that is something you are interested in. Or you can become a Lotus Box patron. I lost track of where I was in the whole thing. Um, if you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast is also on Twitter at at MTG underscore Grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter at Collins Mullen. Um, thanks everybody so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>